Hey, Sarah. Hey, what? I want to watch a romantic comedy. What I really want to do with my life, what I want to do for a living, is I want to be with your daughter. I'm good at it. Ridiculous. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine being a parent? Oh my someone god. Comes to I you would and says shit that? a brick. There's a lot in this that John Cusack says that you just yeah. go, what the oh hell? Oh my god, dude? there's so many good lines. But like, first, wait, but first. Oh, okay. Welcome to romantic comedy commentary. Dot com where Sarah likes to call it. <laughs> Romcomcom.com. <laughs> this week we are talking about a delightful movie. Yes. A heavy hitter that I had not seen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Say, Say anything. anything. Oh. Yes. Now back to what you were okay, saying. Okay, so he plays a guy <laughs> named Lloyd Dobler. And Lloyd is what they... I love on the uh, the little description on IMDb, it describes him as a noble underachiever. A noble underachiever. Isn't that great? I mean, but is he really an underachiever? Because he's still... Hear me out. Okay. He, he's out there doing... Is it Taekwondo? Yeah. Or jujitsu or something. Kickboxing. Kickboxing. Yeah. He's out there doing that. He's teaching classes. He's doing things. He's maybe just the school thing isn't what's what's speaking to him. But he's right. he's not a bum on a couch, right. I would argue. And he's yeah. being he goes to parties, he's the responsible guy that holds the keys and all of that. But I mean he's, underachieving. He's what I want to do with my life is be with your daughter. <laughs> like that's <laughs> ridiculous so he also gets into a tizzy and says this is this plays right into that one that he says it i think earlier in the movie he says i don't want to sell anything buy anything or process anything as a career so you're like letting that sink in like how is that possible and then he says i don't want to sell anything bought or processed or buy anything sold or processed or process anything sold bought or processed or repair anything sold bought or processed you know as a career i don't want to do that and i'm like what does that then leave? what do you do? I guess you just be with Diane. It's like, what what would you do? Because even art, you have to sell to like make a living. Like unless you're living barter? in a communist country. Yeah, or be, or be like a trade, like you're just trading goods and bartering where it's yeah. not really selling. It's like a... I'll fix your car for three tomatoes. Yeah, making something. I mean, it's a very anti-capitalist statement. Maybe he just wanted to follow the Grateful Dead. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of it. You still have to sell stuff. That's actually a good point. Well, there is a bartering system, though. Like you know, like but is bartering selling? I would argue he wouldn't see it that way, though. I think you do make a good point that it is essentially just you're still trading stores of value. Just money isn't involved. But you'll eventually take those three tomatoes and turn them into a donkey or something. Exactly. (laughs) You know, it's just, yeah, whether the, the magical quality of money is a part of it or not. Is it normal... Is normal for girls, for parents like of a significant other, to ask them what they want to do with their lives at a like younger age? Have you were you ever asked that by anyone's parents that you met or were dating or in? I guess in gen, I would think in general probably you'd be asked that. I think I was asked like, "What's your major?" Mm. But I don't think I was necessarily specifically asked what I want to do with my life as someone's significant other. I think I was probably asked that at like a dinner with my parents' friends or something. Mm. What do you want to do? Or, you know, 
whatever. And when you're really little, like four or five, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, (laughs) I had a girl that I was dating reasonably seriously. And her dad asked me that and not in like a, he was like a jovial sort, but I think he really wanted to know like, Mm -hmm. so what's, what's this all heading towards? And I've got to tell you, I don't remember my exact response, but I know it did not instill confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my dad is like a master of being very friendly, Mm -hmm. but also somehow intimidating and really freaking guys out because he's six, four and, and very into sports. And so he would come in kind of sternly and every, you can just see the guy's eyes get wide, like, oh, shit. But then he'll be like, I hear you're on the football team or whatever. What was your four, What was your 40? I remember him talking to one of my cousin's friends about, like, you know, what was your 40? And I was like, what the fuck is a 40? <laughs> like, it's the 40-yard dash, which I guess they use in football, which I learned because of that conversation. And the guy being so relieved that he had some information to share and then my dad being like, oh, that's great, you know, but then still being like somehow scary mm-hmm. and but still like wanting to know about him and genuinely interested. And I don't know how he did it, but it was like a master class in like getting a guy to like you, but still be scared of you, but respect you, but like not want to be on your bad side that is a terribly difficult line to walk and (laughs) i've met your dad and and your dad's been on this podcast yeah he does walk that line yeah yeah and and you also you also don't want to disappoint him like he he just he seems like a guy that you want to just like you know you want to walk in with your shoulders back and head (laughs) held high and tell him good things you know yeah because it would hurt more if he was disappointed than mad uh yeah i guess so (laughs) it's a good thing you had daughters it's definitely a thing where I feel like all of my friends that are guys have been asked at some point by a significant other's family member, usually I the dad, I feel like what it's you? a guy question. Yeah. Yeah. And again, not a lot of good answers. And if I got asked that today, I feel like I'm past the age where it will be asked. It's kind of like, not what do you want to do with your life, but now it's into what have you done with your life? <laughs> what are you up to <laughs> these days? The aspirational phase is over. You're now in the doing. <laughs> I so. think Emma asked us recently and we said you were retired. <laughs> <laughs> that is your husband's favorite thing to tell people. <laughs> and I I was introduced to uh, a friends, like friends of friends. Mm-hmm. And they asked what I did. And I was like, all right, let's run this up the flagpole and see how, you know, if anyone <laughs> salutes. Because Brian pulls it off when he's like, when he introduces me or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just and it's funny when he does it. I realized when I do it, I come across as an asshole. Oh, no. Because I was just like, oh, Where's me? Where's your ascot? I, know. I was like, oh, me? Yeah, I'm functionally retired <laughs> at 36. And they were like, wait, Don't what? Don't say is-? functionally retired. I didn't know how else to say it because I'm not actually retired, but like for all intents <laughs> and purposes. Yeah, I don't say functionally So retired. I should just say I'm retired? I'm living that retired life. Oh, okay. Maybe that's part of the reason is I, I tried <laughs> I tried making it more serious than not. And I I'm just- independently wealthy and can make my own choices <laughs> well that makes me sound substantially more successful than i've been but it's well, like you, thought, you gotta play that game that's a good point but yeah. it, i could it was in a we were outside by a campfire and it was dark and you know that like i couldn't see wait the, when it, when i talked to these people and told them tried telling them that i was retired was brian there no brian was not oh, there. okay i was doing this was my first time oh, trying to is, do oh, this without wow. brian okay solo and, and it was dark so I couldn't see their faces, but there was just this, you know, like the fire, there was just this 
this feeling that kind of overcame the fire when I said it. Like, I could just tell there was a misstep in what I said. So I immediately went to, like, what she does. But then I realized it made it sound like so... What does uh, she do? Uh, something with computers or something like that. I was Oh, the person a, you're talking to. Yeah, the person I was talking to. Her and okay. her husband were there. And, like, he... I think they're both in tech or something. Okay. I, I can't tell you because I was so panic-stricken at that point. Oh, no. Because then I realized once I started asking what they did, it... I was like, oh my God, did that inadvertently come across? I was like, uh, so you work for the man, I hear? Uh, and, uh, and I was just in panic mode. So, oh no. So, I'm, so you need to just gain the confidence that goes behind a statement like that. <laughs> you don't want to apologize for it. And that's something my dad is really good at. I think maybe that's why it works because he's going to say whatever he's going to say and he won't be embarrassed by it. And and people respond to your confidence more than necessarily okay. the content of your statement. I'm going to remember that next time. Like basically d- yeah. double down to some extent or put the snowplow down and just keep going. Yeah. And just like whatever, you know, he's an incredibly weird person and he's the first one to admit that. And as long as he's okay with it, then nobody else cares they Mm. find it almost endearing so that's what you need (laughs) we should actually probably talk about this movie a little bit more at some point so i want you to describe what the movie the plot really was but first sarah i had never seen this my only knowledge of this movie was the title say anything that there is a wonderful band called say anything Mm mm-hmm that uh, John Cusack, this is one of his early roles, mm-hmm. and the scene where he is holding the boombox above his head yeah. while Peter Gabriel plays. Mm-hmm. All I knew about it. So I sat down before it began, and I wrote down what I thought the movie was going to be based on what I knew of it. Oh. Okay. So here is the plot of what I thought Say Anything was going to be. Okay. <laughs> and... As the movie went further and further along, I just kept going, oh my, I I could not have been further from what this is. And in fact, I couldn't have guessed what this was if I, if, in, in 100 years. We should do that in the future before, if we don't know what something's about. Oh, we try down what we think it is? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, That's let's good. do that. Yeah, yeah, let's absolutely do that. Okay. So uh, here's what I have. <clears throat> it's obviously a high school rom-com based on the posters. Oh, I'd seen the posters in the box. Yeah. You know, he's holding the whatever. Very so it's famous. Obviously a high school rom-com, so I knew that. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that uh, John Cusack... Um, would actually get a girl that he had been pining after for a long time and like been in love with. Mm -hmm. And the whole time that that's going on, that they're like this, you know, romance is going on. uh, There's another girl, a friend of his in the background that he's been pining on or that she's been pining after him. And she clearly Mm -hmm. has feelings towards him, but he's has his eyes on this other girl. Um, At some point things get rocky between John Cusack and the the girl he really liked from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, he suddenly realizes in some type of montage that this other girl, the friend, has been yeah, there for him all along. the girl along. next door. Yeah, the girl next door type mm. of thing. Um, kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he has to pick, you know, really which one he wants to go after. Somehow that comes to a head and he must pick one or the other, mm. you know, two paths diverge in a woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then he decides to pick the girl next door mm-hmm. and he goes to her house with the boombox yeah. And play us plays the song, and which I assume earlier in the the movie would be uh, brought up, mm-hmm. and like that they have a connection to, mm-hmm. and then at the end she comes out, and that they I thought there would be a short speech of some type uh, where he like professes his love, mm-hmm. and at the end of it there's silence, and he asks her to just say something. 
to just say anything. Mm. That's what I thought it was going to be. Okay. Could you tell them now, be anyone listening, <laughs> what this movie actually is? Well, it's not that. He does have a very good girlfriend. Lily Taylor is perfect in this movie. But she's more of like his moral compass. Mm. But she's hung up on a guy who she writes ridiculous songs about named Joe. And Lloyd lives with his sister, played by Joan Cusack, because their parents live overseas and he's finishing up high school. So he's living with her. Meanwhile, her husband has left her and she has like a four-year-old son. Mm. And they have kind of a contentious relationship. Um he decides that he's in love with a girl named Diane, who is the class valedictorian. She's like the perfect smart girl, but she's never gone to parties. She, you know, doesn't really have a social life. They never tell why he's decided that he likes her, but he does. And he goes for it, unlike... So many people, he actually really goes for it. He really does. Yeah. Yeah. And he just calls her up. Yeah. And takes her to a party after graduation or like right before graduation. And, um, you know, she starts to think she kind of likes him and then they start dating. But she lives with her dad who runs a nursing home or a retirement <laughs> home and she works there and here's where it gets dicey yeah so her dad is obsessed with her um achievements and is always pushing her and like we've worked so hard for this and i want everything for you and you know he's like classic single dad you know overachieving daughter and she gets a scholarship to go to England to study. It's like a full ride for college, I guess. Uh, but meanwhile, he is like being followed around by the IRS and the FBI. <laughs> and we're trying to figure out what the hell is going on with that. And Lloyd is getting in the middle of their relationship, which is really pissing her dad off because he is a, you know, underachiever. <laughs> and... And noble underachiever, <laughs> and um, there she and Lloyd get closer, but eventually she talks to her dad, and he basically convinces her to break up with Lloyd. And Lloyd is devastated and super emo about it, and brings a boombox to her house and plays the song that they were listening to when they had sex for the first time, and it was like a very sweet scene in a in the back of his of car. car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a Peter Gabriel song. And um, she, but the funny thing is she doesn't come out of the house when he plays that song. It's just almost like the final, he, was, he had been calling her, he had been leaving her messages. He finally does this big, great, grand um, gesture. gesture. She doesn't come out. And then he leaves her alone. But then all this shit goes down with her dad. Her dad ends up getting arrested and it was like tax evasion and fraud and all this stuff. She found out that he was keeping all this money. She found a bunch of money in like this drawer or this box. Because an IRS agent told her, 
look around for these clues and he picked he pegged every single checked every checkbox yeah. that the guy listed such yeah. as money like hiding like, large sums of money which he'd basically been stealing from the residents or or not like like keeping whatever they were supposed to hold back instead of paying it to the IRS and um Lloyd gets back in there she calls him because she's really upset and he even says like are you you know interested in me or are you just interested in someone and then and then she said and then he says never mind i don't want to know that which is a good call because (laughs) at this point you're not sure she just needs a friend you know um and then they go and visit her dad in jail (laughs) and that's when he says like i'm really good i just want to love your daughter like that's gonna be my life and she's still gonna go to england and that shows them at the end they're on a plane and he's on the plane with her like literally gonna be her like consigliere or something while she studies abroad she's the achiever and he's the support i guess (laughs) which is just so funny and um it almost has an ending like uh the graduate oh which is funny because, you know, that's also about a guy who graduates and flounders around and tries to figure out what the hell he's doing with his life. But it's like they look at each other and you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, are they going to be together? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but they're going to England. In the plane, he's telling her because she hates a plane rides. Like, well, if it's going to crash, it's right in the beginning type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of like... We're almost there, almost, and it just fades to black. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, cuts. We're just hard through cut. it. It's almost over. Do you think that that was the director's way of saying, like, if you can make it through the beginning part of the relationship, the early hardships, like, it's smooth sailing from there? I hope not, because that's terrible advice. Yeah. I don't know. Or, or does it, you know, is it an allusion to their relationship and the hardships they've had at the beginning of their relationship? Or is it an allusion to what's to come? Mm-hmm. Which is whether they can get through all this going to England stuff. I th- it has to be. I mean, it has yeah. to be. It's Cameron Crowe. This movie's directed by Cameron Crowe. Yeah, it's that his first. Good. It's his very first directing Well, job. he has one credit before that for a Tom Petty music video for Change Well, I of mean Heart. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's like, like what, what else have you done? Well, I did this kick-ass Tom Petty video. Yeah. Give me money, please. Money. I was reading, you know, a little bit about Cameron Crowe. He's done a ton of liner notes for songs and for albums for people, including Tom Petty. Mm-hmm. And um, Bob Dylan and probably just like Pearl Jam. He's done a pretty stuff big stuff, which leads me to Bob Dylan selling his entire music um, like catalog. The, yeah, like the rights to it. Yeah, I could hear my mom downstairs when she heard that news, and I could just hear her going three hundred million dollars, Bob. Really, like, <laughs> mommy's not number one. You're, I don't believe you're on first name basis with uh, Bob. Bob Dylan. Secondly, like I don't think he really cares. <laughs> but no, I don't think he cares. But it's kind of funny. It's like well, you can't take it with you. Mm-hmm. But also, like the way I heard it described was that sometimes when you see people do that later in life, it's the mindset is that I am stopping the squabbling that could happen over how to handle it, and instead, here is your like you know to kids and relatives, here is here is your money. We're just done, you know, rather than having battle. And that made sense to me in a way. Yeah, that makes sense for Cameron Crowe to do all that, especially when you take into 
account, you know, almost famous and that that was semi autobiographical mm-hmm. is my understanding. And again, oh, yeah, like, it was. He did a Pearl Jam documentary. He has a couple Alice in Chains music videos. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. It's it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Pearl Jam, and Alice in Chains. <laughs> it's just interesting. He's all over the place. Um, he's really good friends with Billy Wilder, who's mm. a famous director from the 50s and 60s. Mm. And uh, when he won, he won Best Screenplay Oscar for, uh, I think it was Almost Famous. I can't remember. Yeah, he won Best Screenplay for Almost Famous. He was nominated for Jerry Maguire. Cuba Gooding Jr. won, won for best and so did yeah. Tom Cruise for Best Actor. He did? Oh, wow. Okay, I, I guess I forgot so. that. I know Cuba won. For sure. Well, and he also did Vanilla Sky, which is yeah. divisive. I yeah. I've watched it once. I enjoyed it. I like I it. have not watched it again. I need to go back and revisit that. Almost Famous mm-hmm. is one of my go to like just what movie it to put on. Yeah, especially yeah. if it's like you're watching it. If I'm looking for a movie to watch with a girl who I have just like started seeing or mm-hmm. around, that's a good one because you can a judge a lot, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about in it. And it's you can funny, see what their light. music taste yeah, is, yeah. if they know things. No, exactly. I got it a lot more last time I watched it than when I watched it when I was like 17. <laughs> like, oh, I get this a lot more. And Mark Maron's in it for a hot second. Yeah, he is. Isn't Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, Jimmy Fallon Jimmy is too. It, yeah. God, that's um, such a good fucking movie. Yeah, he wrote the liner notes for Peter Frampton's breakthrough album. Oh. He often references To Kill a Mockingbird in his films. <laughs> he wrote the liner notes for Leonard Skinner, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty. Do, do, do. His wife is Nancy Wilson from the rock group Heart. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And China Phillips from Wilson Phillips is in the movie. Who's she? You ask me that. She's one of the friends. Oh, okay. And James L. Brooks produced this from The Simpsons, that mm. James L. Brooks. Mm. <clears throat> and um, his daughter is uh, the other girl with like Pamela Adlon and, and Lily... Uh, Taylor that's his daughter and I just think it's so funny that Jennifer Connelly was almost Ioni Sky. she was gonna play Diane really Mm -hmm. huh Mm -hmm. you have mentioned many people in this movie and I feel like you've jumped over one really important actor that to me when he came on screen Jeremy Piven no, but Piven is in this I because I just got done watching all of Entourage again mostly holds up to me (laughs) Except for all the gay jokes. Well, no, it, those start. <laughs> that's really a first season thing. They really? kind, they well, mostly. There's still some here and there. The first season's mm. the worst for it, but then I think they kind of realized. Hmm. It, believe me, it's still like objectively a terrible show. But it's like <laughs> it's. It was a show I watched in college with my buddies. It takes me back to a time. It's guy sex in the city. I mm-hmm. I realize there's not oh, a lot. Brian of deep feels stuff the in same it. way. Yeah. Well, because I've sat there with your husband watching the outtakes of Ari Gold. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you love Ari. Oh, yeah. Everyone, well, love and hate Ari. No, the one that you have forgotten, Sarah, John Mahoney. Oh, yeah. He came on screen as the dad. Yeah. If, you, if I am not watching a movie or putting it off and you want me to watch it faster, just lie uh, and say John Mahoney is in it. Because okay. that's what even made that dad character so oh, much better. Oh, he's so good. And so kind. Like, you would believe he would be that kind, yeah. but that at the same time... He's be- so good at playing a caring guy 
who's also a little bit not good. Willing to do what needs done. Willing to get his yeah. hands dirty. To, right. to, to, to As long as it's justified. Like Olympia Dukakis in um, uh, the movie with Cher. Moon, Moonstruck. Moonstruck. She has dinner with him, you know, and she says, you're kind of a bad boy. And he's like, I know. You know, he's almost like, yeah, I am. And she's like, you have to go home now. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so him to somehow thread that needle between like being this caring, loving father who's also committing tax fraud and stealing from his very vulnerable residents. Yeah. And to to make it all incredibly believable that, that yes, this man can see all of this as being like evening out morally. Because he was saying like, their families don't look after them. I do. This is to look Mm -hmm. after you and all this and that. Absolutely. Also, I loved when John Cusack called the way the dad answered the phone and was uh, basically an answering service for his daughter mm-hmm. and just how like calmly he took just a bunch of people randomly calling for his daughter with that. It, they didn't play, they didn't pander to the idea of like the doting father. There was like, you know, have her back by 10 o'clock and this and that. Like even, yeah. even he only got mad at her. She could stay out as late as she wanted to. She just had to call and check in. And they mm-hmm. only brought that up when she didn't call. When she didn't call. And then she admitted to him that she it's slept that, with him. I know, because the title and of the movie. And then I let him fuck my brains out or something she said. And it was like, oh, no. Because well, the title of the movie, Say Anything, Say anything. is because they should be able to say anything, anything to, to each, each other. other. Yeah. I was way off on the meaning of the movie. <laughs> and when they said, oh, my, you're right. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine walking in and being like, Mom, I have to tell you something. I had sex for the first time. I can't yeah. even imagine. I, I can't even hardly get the words out right I now because it feels so uncomfortable. But he's always been keeping up this farce with her. Like She even turns to him and says, like, everybody thinks I'm a press. And she, he says to her, Diane, in a million years, you could never be a press. And it's like, that is just a blatant lie. That's basically what everybody thinks. Even though everyone at the high school is so nice to her. Incredibly nice like, to her. Totally like welcoming and It seemed like everybody was fairly infatuated with her. Yeah, she's kind of like this mystery. Yeah. Well, and I could see that being true to I mean, she was a good-looking girl. Like if there's a good-looking girl that no one really knew, that party scene kind of kept making me think it was like can't hardly wait ish but from like a, one of the characters perspective for me yeah she wasn't like if they had cast jennifer connelly mm-hmm. i would have totally seen like the mystery smart girl who everyone likes because she is beautiful mm-hmm. like jennifer connelly is gorgeous but Ioni Sky is a very striking looking person. Mm-hmm. And I think objectively she's attractive, but I don't, maybe she's beautiful in 1988, 89 speak, but I don't find her Jennifer Connolly attractive. I'd agree with that. But also John Cusack, I mean, we've talked about this before in movies, rom-coms, that they don't really do it as much nowadays as they did in the 80s, where it's like, these are mostly normal looking people. Yeah, I, I don't think John Cusack is like. I think he's a pretty normal. He's a good looking dude. But that's dude, the whole point. I think, yeah. Is that he's well, reaching above and, yeah. him. 
but she's still you know they say you're an inspiration lloyd like everyone's like shipping this whole thing everyone's so excited that he's like dating her and like how'd you do it man he's like i called her you know, and he's like the one who's willing to put himself out there. Yeah. And that's this where the noble that comes from, the nobility yeah. of what he's doing is like impressive to everyone. I loved in her graduations, going to what you said about the dad, like always just building her up. Oh my God. The, when they're driving to graduation, she tells <sighs> the joke and he's like, that's great. And then it's just and it's not when she tells it. Because Did, he's willing to say anything, to say her, anything. anything. To, to, you know, keep her on this path. And, I know. love during graduation, if you look in the crowd, the mascot is sitting in one of the yeah. seats. Just way up there. And then mm. the mascot shows up at the party. That yeah. was such an awesome party. Yeah. It seemed so... I, and I liked for an 80s movie that they were showing, like, not to drink and drive. For yeah, a movie with from, the keys. what, like, 89, 80, I think it was? It was filmed in 88, released in 89. Yeah, that's, like, fairly progressive. And that they yeah. go, and then they go find the one guy whose keys are still there yeah. and drive him home. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they, he can't find his own house, so they drive around <laughs> That, I believe that's um, Jason Gould, who's Elliot Gould and Barbara Streisand's son. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's funny. Just a random kind of thing. He's been in some stuff. But it's just funny. Who's um, stepbrothers with Josh Brolin? It's really weird how Hollywood works. <laughs> but it's it's like strange, oddly incestuous in a way. Yeah, like there's yeah. when Carrie Fisher had a stand-up show that was on um, HBO. I think it's still on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. And Brian said most of it was okay, but there's one part where her daughter asks her if she can date this guy. Mm. And she says, I just want to make sure we're not related. And Carrie says, I know it sounds weird for her to ask me that, but then you have to go through our family history. And she gets out a huge whiteboard and starts breaking down like who her mom was married to, who her dad was married to, their kids, what happened here. And she's like, and you can see that we're related to freaking half of Hollywood. And it's so true. It's crazy. Everybody. Which is insane but then you also just think how normal people deal in their lives like you you give jobs and call people that you know yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it, it kind of makes sense in a way but that would be insane like, yeah yeah i need to know am i related to this person before well I and old it? hollywood was a lot smaller too so what is john cusack supposed to be in this movie like is he a noble underachiever well, but i so but i mean is he <clears throat> everyone like he's not a nerd He's no. he's not like a an outcast. Everybody seems to know him and like well, him as a whole. He hangs out with Lily Taylor. They're almost like alternative guy. Yeah, like I'm he, trying to he's fit the him guy who hangs out with a bunch of girls. Mm-hmm. He's almost like an old soul in a way. Like he's too wise for his years. Yeah, he has a he has a presence. But he's not like dweeby. He's not nerdy. Everybody Mm-mm. seems to like him, but he's obviously on the fringe. I'm like, yeah. this guy doesn't. I was trying to figure what what like archetype he would plunk into, and it seems like the character doesn't. But is outsider, that outsider kind of cool outsider? Maybe, yeah. He's not necessarily cool. I. But everybody likes him. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, the key master. And they're not like making fun of him. But maybe that's just the world that they live in. It's like that high school seems to be totally accepting of everyone. Yeah. In a way. 
Like, to the point that a guidance counselor shows up at a party oh, yeah. <laughs> and gives her keys to John yeah. Cusack. That's funny. That's all sorts of hilarious things. Yeah, and I think that's why Diane likes him because he is willing to tell her the truth that she doesn't get from her dad. And she like they're going to a party and she says, Nobody knows me. Nobody's gonna know me. And he says, Well, they know of you. But now they're going to know you, which is like, you know, a, a good thing. Like they know who you are, kind of. But this is everyone's chance to to get to know you. I, this movie did really do a lot of kind of somewhat subtle things to just show. I The one that jumped out to me and they did actually bring it up later in the movie. But when he guides her around the glass in the parking lot, it's just like oh, such yeah. a nothing moment. But it just it, mm-hmm. it it was small. You could have ignored it. And I was almost hoping they never did come back to it because mm-hmm. it just showed like yeah. he, he was really observational and looking out and like all these little things he tells her to build her up and all, you know, like. I Did you ever have like a small thing like that with somebody that you remember? That I did, that they did to me? Yeah. Or that I did for them? Or like that, that, that helped you understand who they were more or like revealed more about them? You know, it, the one that always kind of there's one that jumps out to me but it's it's less like revealed themselves to me and it was more like i realized there was a girl that t- i think i've probably told this story before but a girl literally just took my glasses off my face at a bar one time and was like oh, and i've never them? seen your eye well no and clean and uh. put, no she put them up on my head and was like i've never seen your eyes and like i huh. times i'm talking to you and it was it was flirtatious to some extent mm-hmm. there's also just one of those odd little like Kind of yeah. took me back for a second. It's like, have other people thought that? Or, and, mm-hmm. and, and it showed me like... It's revealing. May, yeah, and maybe she was a little more introspective than I thought because she always just seemed like a, a party girl, I guess, to some mm. extent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say like... She's paying more attention than exactly. realized. Yeah, exactly. And, and mm. that one always kind of jumps out to me. I'm sure I've had many, many mm-hmm. others. I know before I've had one girl that I was out with that I... This actually came up today talking to my mom, oddly enough. Um... I was making a point to walk on the side of the road. We were walking down the short North. We'd had some drinks and I just made sure to walk on the side of the road, but it was like Mm -hmm. through the night I kept doing it and it Mm -hmm. wasn't a big deal to me. But then probably through the night, she's like, are you purposely walking on the side of the road? I'm like, well, yeah, that's like mm-hmm. the polite thing to Just do. Just paying attention. Yeah, exactly. And she was like, no one's ever done. Like they, it mm-hmm. caught her off guard. I had the exact same thing. That's one of the first things oh, I was thinking of asking you that question because my prom date in high school did that. Mm-hmm. And I had never thought about it or even considered it before. But it was very revealing when I realized he was doing it and it was like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. When I, in my mom, the reason it came with my mom today is she was talking to me about like her brother and, and just silly things that he's done. And she's like, do you know better than that? And I was like, well, yeah, I I think I do. And I mentioned that, Mm -hmm. but I said to her, what the trouble that you kind of run into sometimes nowadays is like, you don't want to be over the top with it. Because then you don't want to seem like you're pandering to someone. Like, yeah. I held the door for an older woman at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And then she was holding the door for me. And I was like, oh, come on, just go in. You know, my mom would be mad at me. And nope, you go in. And she would not relinquish. So I just eventually mm. went in. And I said to my mom, you kind of like have to try and walk that line of knowing like what's being nice mm-hmm. and, and what could be perceived as being too guiding someone around glass. I think for sure that's something that's just being polite or nice. Or like, hey, right. don't walk through that giant puddle. But you know, there's been a couple yeah. times I've known people where they just try to be nice to somebody and hold the door, and it's like, 
perceived as being kind of like, you know, I can take care of myself. Right. Like, yeah. Some but this people is just... find that like somehow offensive. I always liked it. Yeah. Because I always feel like you're at least paying attention, mm. you know, and it's interesting. Like, guy, a guy at UD was at a party and he was a big partier and he was at a party and this guy who we all knew who had special needs walked in and was talking to him and he just took his glasses and started cleaning them and was like these glasses are a mess man but it never slowed him down he wasn't doing it yeah. to like you know show girls i don't even think he noticed that i was watching mm. But he just had, like, his glasses were covered in fingerprints. Like, he's like, I don't know how you even see, man. What are you even doing? And he's, like, cleaning the glasses for him and just talking to him and gives him his glasses back. And I was like, maybe he's a decent person somewhere in there, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Huh. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, well, that was revealing, you know? Yeah. And it's like when when no one else is paying attention or when yeah. when it doesn't matter when you're not on display yeah. what are the things you're doing and i think lloyd dobler was very good at that through like, the party he kept walking through and there were just shots of him kind of like yeah, not doting yeah not doting not over yeah. the shoulder but just like literally walking through a crowd yeah. and he'd cut his head to the right and look and then he just sure kept going she was okay exactly like, but not trying to control her yeah yeah you know, you mentioned, you asked me things that were people have revealed themselves and you were talking about cleaning the glasses. Uh, the I help at a summer camp for kids with cancer. And what jumps mm -hmm. to mind is that I have seen there a lot of moments where it is like someone privately, you know, in a side where no one is is caring to, to this is making it sound more ominous than it really is, but no one's really paying attention. They're just like having a one-on-one -on -one moment. Something as small as like seeing a really big guy get down on a knee to like talk to a smaller kid. So they're mm. eye to eye. It's mm -hmm. like those, you know, those little things that. Yeah. How you treat children, what you do, you know. Well, and there's there's one guy there that's, you know, a bigger dude and very loud and fratty and, and, and in that has rubbed people the wrong way. But like when you put him with a kid, you will never see someone build a kid up more instantaneously like mm. they can do freaking anything mm. and it's not my way of doing things it's not my other friend's way of doing things and again he himself can rub people the wrong way but again mm. like this kid will get a kid who is feeling very anxious so pumped up just because he gets excited for them and can pass that energy mm. on and is always like oh you don't want to do that come on i'm gonna go do that thing why don't you come do this thing with me i'm gonna go do it and puts kind of the mm. onus on him until he sees the kid be confident and then passes it off. And it's like, that's cool. Yeah. And it's something I didn't really pick up on that he was doing until like mm -hmm. two or three years that he was there. And then I felt bad when I was like, this fucking guy, you know, that <laughs> all the years I was like this motherfucker. So yeah, no, you're right. It is neat to see the things that people kind of do in those little moments yeah. and they nail it with this character. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think happens to them? What's your, uh, <laughs> What do I think? Do you happens? think they make it? I don't know. This doesn't seem like the foundation of a healthy relationship <laughs> whatsoever. It doesn't. But at the same time, he was there for her. Yeah. When the rest of her life was really going to shit. When all she had was her dad. Yeah. And it was clear that her mom wasn't going to be a support to yeah. her. Oh, but, fuck. I forgot the mom was even in this. Yeah, You're really right. briefly. Yeah, to prove, yeah. to show that she is that not. That she really isn't. And I like that they didn't say the mom was dead. You know what I mean? They mm -hmm. didn't kill the character off. Right. They, in fact, showed like... Cause showed it, her. Well, because then that would have put a different weight on it. Yeah. You know, and he, too easily, that's a trope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I wonder, maybe they would, because what I have a hard time getting my head around now being 36 years old and single is the idea of staying with the same person since high school. You know what I mean? Like getting in, and I know people that have done that and done that wild with wild Mm -hmm. success from the outside that I can tell. I have a hard time understanding that, but it can happen. And like you're saying, they had a foundation like built Mm -hmm. on a support, a different beginning but built on him supporting and, i mean and, i keep wondering well what if she was male and he was female would okay. it be different what do you mean if he was the because, one with like a bright future and she yeah. was supporting yeah if she was more of the supporting role which i think hmm. you know at least 40 50 years ago was you know more accepted than it is now mm-hmm. um that women didn't weren't expected to have jobs yeah and could you know literally be dedicated to the man mm. and his career yeah. and everything he's worked for and it's almost like those roles are reversed a little bit mm. um you know he'll be her support he'll do whatever you know i i think it shows that he would probably be a really good dad he's really great with his nephew oh yeah him punching the bag and telling, yeah. yeah that was and great. he obviously has a lot of emotional intelligence Things that, you know, make you a good partner and make you a good dad. But I just don't know if she's going to fly too high for him, you know, eventually. And we've talked about this before with just certain relationships we've watched where one person kind of plateaus and the Mm -hmm. other one keeps going. But who's to say he doesn't get to England and and thrive? Because, again, he he wasn't a deadbeat. No, he, he was doing things. He went and he really liked teaching the classes and the mm-hmm. kids. And he, again, people knew him. Yeah. To me, he almost just seems like the guy that really doesn't find himself until his twenties. Yeah. You know, but that, that's what. Yeah, I get what you're saying though. Are will will their trajectories go too far in different directions? Will he be able to hang on to her? Yeah, I don't know. But the other way that he could go mm-hmm. is to fast forward and basically be the character from High Fidelity. I've never seen High Fidelity. Oh my God, well, Justin! I don't. I've, I know. I know that one's coming up. We're gonna have to do it soon again. Do you want to tell? Tell me. Tell me. Tell me the character. I can't. Why? why? Because I'll give too much away. But he's a like unlucky in love dude who's like rehearsing all the crap that went badly in his past relationships. Oh Jesus Christ! I should not watch High Fidelity. It is like, <laughs> like a little too close to home sometimes. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no! Now I really want to watch it, but <laughs> I'm also really terrified <laughs> to watch. I, oh wait, is that that's the one? Where, is Jack that the one Black. where he goes back to high school, or is that Gross Point Blank? That's Gross Point Blank. Oh, okay, Grossy Pointy Blank. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, I think, in Chicago, and he works at a record store. He owns a record store, and um, you know, goes back through all of his past girlfriends and. <sighs> everything and he never really figured shit out they basically all out grew him (laughs) and and he's bitter and stuck and oh my god is this (laughs) (laughs) yeah is this called the justin story it feels very much like that noble underachiever Uh became a kind of spiteful middle-aged dude who is still hanging on to but see, I don't, shit that with what this guy's been for through, a while. with what Lloyd's done, been through in this movie with like parents tossing around, living with his sister, mm-hmm. and, and 
I think if he was going to be a cynic at all, it would have happened by now. And even at the point where she leaves him in this movie. Oh, fuck yes. Absolutely, I think. Well, even at the point where she leaves him, what, he goes and hangs out with Piven and the boys for a hot second (laughs) and then just kind of realizes, if I'm remembering correctly, like, nah, this ain't working. This isn't for me type of thing. He's like, well, that was a mistake. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I don't think he, this character would become a cynic. I hope not. Shoot, so you do not think they end up together or you are like long term? Well, I'm just saying I could see two things. I could see him becoming basically like his character in High Fidelity yeah. or somehow being basically like the housewife <laughs> to Diane in a very yeah. like 1950s way. Let, I don't know. Let me paint for you an idea. Okay. I know rom-coms don't tend to have sequels. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. It happens very rarely. But the one I want to see, and we talked about this with McConaughey and Hudson, is the idea of a relationship from a rom-com coming back many years later and they get back together. Hear me out here, okay? Yeah. He had somewhat seen a little bit of the world by that point, right? Wasn't he like an army brat or something? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. So he had seen a little bit of the world, okay? She, the opposite, sheltered and you know had only been in her school books and all that. They're going to go abroad. They're going to go to England. Mm-hmm. Maybe she realizes that, hey, I need to get out and live life a little bit. Like, not anything against you. I just want to do this. Okay. 20 years later, they come back together. What if they come? I I would watch that movie. Maybe that's what happens to those characters. They go their separate ways for a tiny bit. You know, once they find Mm. their footing there and then come back together because they do have that strong base. They do get along. But I agree with you. Like, I think one of the characters, her is going to have the world open up before. And I think of people I met in college and how many college relationships, high school to college relationships, Mm -hmm. why they got rocky and broke up. And it was really because one or both people looked around and were like, shit, there's a lot I've not seen. Mm -hmm. So that's why I broke up with my college boyfriend. Uh, my high school girlfriend broke up with me just because she didn't like me. Well, yeah. Like we genuinely disliked that. me. Yes. Yeah. Like God bless. Like genuinely <laughs> did no clue why she dated me because she actively disliked me. <laughs> but uh, so that's what I, that's what I'm putting my money on when you say, do you think they stay together? I think they break up after like maybe a year there or something. They go their mm-hmm. separate ways. I think they come back together five to 10 years later. But what I'm worried about oh, is no. Oh, no. she'll get whatever more and more scholarships and you know whatever a phd in philosophy and blah 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 and and he'll be like teach yeah like teaching at the dojo and like a really sweet guy see i who I don't think he's going to flounder. I really see this character as the guy that catches fire. I don't think he's going to flounder. Fi- I see this as the guy that catches fire What's when he, he finds his What's he going to do? Bed. I mean, 1989, he basically predicted MMA. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, innovator. Hmm. Also, like, free thinker, like, kind of likes everybody, old soul. I could see this guy getting into a tech startup. Oh. This guy feels like a tech startup guy to me. Doesn't really care. He doesn't want to buy or sell d- or process. Yeah. How many people were in Microsoft early on that then like Bill Gates just ran over? Or you know what I mean? How many people were yeah. these early tech startups that that was their like, we just enjoy this. What about, um, shoot, like Patagonia. Those guys were just like rock climbers. Yeah. Maybe he creates Patagonia, but for kickboxing. <laughs> kickboxing Maybe. Patagonia. It could be a thing. It has to be like idealistic and noble. It could be like, well, okay. I was going to say it could be like <laughs> tap out because those guys just sold t-shirts out of their cars, but that was not idealistic. They were just 
yeah drunkards but made a ton of money and capitalistic yeah so i didn't yeah he's very anti-capitalistic at this at this age yeah there's one part in this movie that i i have done many a times um just because it is fun but teaching someone to drive stick, specifically a girl oh, you're dating, yeah. I'm really good at teaching a, a manual. Oh, really? I really am. I'm proud of it. I can. Huh. I wish you were in England with us when we were. I would have. Oh my god! <laughs> to see you and your husband <laughs> trying to drive a stick, Central London, Central London at rush hour, wasn't it? It, it was, was a like, Saturday morning at like 10 a.m. Okay, that's to me basically rush it's hour. Fairly like, crowded. Out, yeah. yeah, and you're, it's not just that. You were on the other side of the. the yeah. Exactly. Which in and of itself has to be disorienting, yeah. And we're right? supposed to drive yes. eight hours north <laughs> in the next two days. And Brian was like, I guess we can't go. I'm like, yes, we, we have to get there. The rest of our trip involves being in Scotland because you have to play St. Andrews in two days. Like, that's the whole thing. We have to get there. <laughs> and it's a good damn thing we turned that car in. And drove How and long did you make it again? What? Because you rented the car, they handed you a stick, and didn't you make it like around the block or something? Yeah. Brian went around the block and was like, "Fuck this, we can't do it." And then we had to get it back to the um, place where we rented it, but we had all our stuff, mm. and it was like, "Oh my god, it was." Was it was the awful. was the clutch on the? Did you drive it at all? It was still the same. Okay, so the cl- then yeah. I could drive that. I could yeah. absolutely drive. Yeah, that. you could. Anyone could who knew how to <laughs> drive stick. Oh, wait. Neither of you knew whatsoever how to drive stick? Both of us had been taught when we were like 16 by our dads. And that's the last time that either of us did it. Fucking fabulous. <laughs> Brian, oh, my God. Brian did remarkably well for having not done it in 20 years. Brian always does have an odd ability to uh, grasp something to an acceptable degree very yeah. quickly. If it's like you have to do it, he'll find a way. Yeah. But he stalled out like five times. Well, we absolutely I mean, that. it was, yeah, it was a little <sighs> Citroen. And then we got a an Uber all the way out to fucking Heathrow Airport and had to get, because that's the only place that had an automatic car. I'm like, motherfucker, because I specifically put an automatic on the reservation and they even told you you have to do this months ahead of time to ensure you get an automatic and then they were like we don't have any today I'm like wait that's your english accent fuck? it was like an indian guy oh that's less fun <laughs> i mean like for the purposes of this accent uh that's i would i would pay conservatively if we had a cash cab camera set up Okay, of this whole what twenty minutes you said, <laughs> yeah. I would pay conservatively one thousand dollars cash. I for that was standing video. outside the hotel waiting for him to come around the corner, and it was like, <laughs> yes. yeah, stalling out, yeah. and he was so pissed. Cash cab camera set up with full audio, easily. He $1, was going to think about like paying someone to drive us. Like. I have no doubt that I. <laughs> To hear the thoughts going through your husband's head through that oh, whole thing God. would have just been fucking magical. Yeah. Or before you got in the car, him muttering to himself. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my heart. My heart imagining. But like we got on the highway and I was like, well, maybe we could have done this because we were on the highway for a long time. <laughs> yeah, but getting to that highway. Yeah. I mean, the high- from London, you just get on the A1. It's not like horrible. You're on the highway. The stakes all highway. Yes, the steak sauce, A1. Uh, but then we stopped like just outside the Lakes District and it was a good five miles of 
barely more than than a one lane road for two cars to go down and it was zippy yes. and turny yes. and you had to go under these like stone arches yes. and other cars are coming the other way and it was so fucking scary oh, awesome. even just being yeah. on the wrong side of the car yeah let alone with a fucking stick shift we would have died like we both looked at each other so many times like thank god we got an automatic like we would not have made it it was oh. see i've only done one like kind of well i've done two aggressive scenic drives but my dad was driving the other one the hana highway and that was terrifying because dad did uh, not want to be doing it anymore and dad just wanted to get the fuck home it was he was driving really fast oh my god it was it was looking back it was wildly impressive what he was doing it was terrifying at the time but i've done the pacific coast highway and wish i had like a five speed because i know oh, how to drive yeah. it but you know like that and even that was dicey but no the, going back to what i was saying though this used to oh, be like shift. one of my because i had a stick sh- and i had a, a little five speed the 300 z and in high school i had a jeep that was a five speed and you know 16 people want to learn to drive mm-hmm. and like every girl i dated just wanted to learn how to drive and i gladly would show them because it was fun and I'm, I'm telling you i'm really all you have to think of is your two feet is like a teeter-totter mm. just visualize that in your in your head so it's like one's coming up the other goes down and mm. once you get that down it it's ends it's up being easy. yeah you you just got to get that feel but either way so I've had these moments where you're like, I've not done it in a circle, though. That's a terrible idea, how he did it in this movie, and they were just in like, oh, yeah. a circle going around. <laughs> but uh, it, it is a good bonding moment. I mean, yeah. and it really is a killer date because, like, it's, again, it's fun. It's playful. You get to see how you both handle stress. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, oddly enough, one girl that I dated who was known to cry a lot did not cry looking back like she got angry which she didn't get angry i was expecting like full-blown tears and i think i even said to her when we left i'm like i think that's the first time you've gotten like worked up and didn't cry and instead like got angry that was good she's like i want to be fucking good at it Hmm. yeah my sister was learning to drive and there was a pigeon in the road up ahead and my stepmom said don't worry, they always move. So she kept driving and they ran right over it. <laughs> it never moved. <laughs> She's like, well, they usually move. <laughs> oh my God. It was they were going like 20 miles an hour. <laughs> this is pigeon. She, I don't know what happened. But it's like... <laughs> so they weren't going so fast that not stopping fast would have been an issue. Not fast at all. The pigeon was just I'm like, just no, they there. always no. stop. It's fine. <laughs> you don't need to move. They always stop. <laughs> they always fly. Oh, my God. Um, but I guess when John and Ioni were filming this scene, they clearly had chemistry. And she even said in an interview, like, years later, that if they hadn't both been involved with other people at the time that they probably would have hooked up after that scene. Really? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's a great, it really is a great all around fun, like thing to do if you have a five speed. Plus it's useful to just know. Oh, definitely. It's just a good thing to know how to do. You know, you can try anything. I would like to know. Yeah. Although I'm 36 now and it's only come up once. Yeah. But it would be nice to know. I remember (laughs) working at Fountain Point and I had a trailer on the tractor and we had to back it up into the woods to dump the trailer because it had stuff on it. And my friend Julie said, you know how to reverse a trailer, right? And I said, yep. (laughs) No. Sarah had never reversed a trailer. Never. (laughs) 
Sarah, jackknife that thing within about five <laughs> seconds. And Julie looked at me like, okay, watch what I do. And, <laughs> and I can do it now. So the moral of the story is I know how to reverse a trailer <gasps> when I'm driving a tractor. That's but it was just so... Put you in a tractor with a trailer <laughs> and you're dead set. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I totally know. Why would I say that? Why would... No, I've I met you. Know. I know why you would say like, <laughs> Such a like, like I'm not going to get caught. Like... Well, this will figure this out. This will never come back to bite me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you mean, like this trailer? Yeah, I can back this up. Definitely. Watch this. <laughs> I took a boat class in a high school. We had had Donahoe, and I take boating classes mm. because. And I, everyone should honestly. It, it really. If you're out yeah. there fucking driving a boat around. You should be taking oh, a absolutely. boating class. I cannot believe but there, they don't make people do there it. There was a whole section on just how to back up a trailer. And like to oh, this yeah. day, I think of some of the tips because I backed up a trailer a lot. I owned a landscape company oh, like yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. I still think back to what that guy told me and even like hooking up chains and all of oh. this. Like hmm. it was like crisscross them because like the remember when you put the chains on the trailer, crisscross them uh, like the loving arms of God because if that trailer breaks <laughs> loose, that's the only thing that's going to save your oh, ass. Shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so funny. Every time I think of that, and this guy, and like, and he would always tell us to the whole class, and this was, mind you, Dono and I were the youngest people in this class. We were 16. Young, next youngest person had to be in their like late 20s, early 30s. And there's mm-hmm. these two doofy 16 year olds taking a two day boating class because my dad said, I signed you up, you're taking this. Oh, wow. Exactly. And uh, the guy kept repeating, and he, this is how he started the class like, okay, if there's only one thing you remember from this class, it, I want it to be this. When you're out boating, the most important thing is you have to look good. Oh. And he kept coming back to that. But his point was the only way to look good while boating. There's no other point to boating, Sarah, unless you're looking good while you're doing it. Huh. Someone looks over to you. You want to look You want to look good going down. Wave at him as you're going by him. And you want to look good in that boat. You don't want to look panicked. So you huh. have to know exactly what you're doing. Because you can't look good if you don't know what you're doing in that boat. Okay. But he kept coming back every time to like, and the reason you need to, why do you need to know this? So we can, and Donahoe would just like proud to be out there. So we can look look good, good. sir. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my gosh. My driving instructor was really unique. I will never, really, you can't say really unique. She was unique. She had gray hair and kind of a, well, Lloyd Christmas cut, if we're going with Lloyd's, not Lloyd Dobler, but Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas. Christmas. And in big, thick glasses and like a cleft foot and um, was obsessed with ferrets, had this is such a fun many person. Yeah. ferrets yeah, you had and me. had a bumper sticker that said, I love ferrets. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Total buy-in. She was amazing. There's no way that she was straight. And but she was really memorable, and she said that she wished that we had um, a brake light that went all the way across the back of the car. And when you push the brake lightly, only the the outside lights lit up. But as you pushed it more, it got redder. It it would go toward the middle, and all the lights would light up. So it would tell you not only that someone was braking, but how hard they were braking, so that you could visually tell if someone was really slamming on the brakes. All of a sudden, which I think about all the time, like all the time. Anytime I'm like trying to gauge how fast someone's breaking, I'm like, why don't we have those fucking lights that tell you? It's so funny. So I, you just reminded me of several of my driving instructors. Mm-hmm. Is there, and again, boating class driving instructor to some extent, boat sure. it, driving on the water. Mm-hmm. Are they all like 
unusual. <laughs> yes. Because like I had one that was looking back very clearly like a drunk college burnout that just like oh. this was the easiest job he could get and he was just having a good time. I had another guy that I told him I'd saw a van that kind of looked like the Scooby-Doo van and he was mm, like, let's find it. The mystery machine. And we drove around for my like two hour driving class mm-hmm. we spent easily an hour and 15 of that going looking up and down streets machine. looking for the mystery machine that i swore i saw huh. and he was totally cool with it like when we didn't find it but i just yeah i'm and i again i took driving classes with donahoe for like car driving yeah and again we both walked out of there like i don't i'm 16 and i already know that that person is very unique yes i don't want to say off their rockers but like yeah like, where did you find these? Yeah. <laughs> and I, but she was very good and I, competent. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it just takes that. Maybe they tell them that, because we, we obviously remembered the lessons these people taught us to some extent, yeah. some of the important oh, absolutely. things. So maybe, do you think that's part of the training where they're like, maybe you, you have to come extremely up, eccentric. You have to come up with your character. Holy shit. What if all of these people are just actors workshopping a character? I mean, I could totally see Kate McKinnon in there. Like, Absolutely. Just, yeah. It kind of came off as like Kate McKinnon from the Alien sketch. Oh my she's lord, like the shut hillbilly. the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not with exactly like the, the experience plaid. I had. <laughs> yeah, always with the plaid shirt and jeans, smoking or, you know, wanting to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I would give anything for driving instructors to be able to smoke still. Oh man. Oh my lord, that would Did have taken it to the next level. Did I say foot or club foot? I think cleft foot, which is that a thing? That's not. It's a, a club foot. foot. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Which is probably not the correct thing to say either, but it's definitely not cleft. <laughs> <laughs> she she had an issue with. She with had her one foot. foot that was small and not right, and maybe shorter than the other. God, I I have thought in my early twenties. I thought about be, like tr- looking into becoming a driving instructor because yeah. I figured it was a thing where it's like, all right, you teach like a two hour class earlier in the day and then you're out and it's just kind of like mm. reciting. Yeah. Didn't make it far enough to figure out salary. Was pretty sure it would be Terrible. inadequate for what I wanted. Yeah. yeah like, hi- like a hair above yeah. minimum wage. And yeah. also having to hang out with high schoolers would be the Ugh. worst. I took a summer school history class just to get it out of the way, basically. And it was my mom's idea, and she still kicks herself. She's like, you probably shouldn't have taken that because it was such a BS. It was like, it would have been better to take it like <laughs> during the year when you actually learn something. Mm. But the instructor used to be um, an Olympic javelin thrower. Yes. And he would not stop talking about the fucking javelin. Javelin? All the time. He kept bringing history back to javelin? Or well, he, he would just no, dive just into about javelin. Himself. Yeah, and about the javelin. I went out throwing this week. Tell us about all the people who died. Javelining? You know, catching a javelin the wrong way. And why it's, I think it's. Wait, catching a javelin the wrong way? Like. There's a right way to ju- catch a no, javelin? Ju- judges out there not judging it correctly and then getting fucking speared by a javelin. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking <laughs> about like someone playing catch. No. With a javelin. No. <sighs> no. <sighs> I guess a judge getting hit equally terrifying. Yeah. It's happened like seven times, he said, back in 2001. <laughs> and so it's no longer a high school sport. So I don't even know if they have it in college. I feel like seven times in from 2001 going back, I feel like that's not a lot of times. I don't remember if it was seven times ever, if it was like seven times that he's had any experience Seven with. times he hit such a <laughs> 
<laughs> no, he's never killed anyone. But well, my all God, I learned more about died. the fucking javelin than I don't even remember what I learned in the class. I mean, he would just put videos on and videos we would of sleep. Him javelining? No, oh, of boy. like history shit. And we would just sleep. It was awful. You know that, you know what you, this just made me think of one thing I liked about this movie. We don't, it, it's at graduation. It's a high school movie, but we never see high a classroom. School. Yeah, it's right when they graduate. And I, I love that a lot because we talked about this with um, um, the P.S. I Love You movies. Mm-hmm. That it's like, it's a it's a high schooler movie, but there's like no adults in it. Like yeah. that is its own, it, it is a high That's school thing, true. but it's about, and same thing with this. Like it's really just the relationship yeah. and the whole John Mahoney story. Yeah. You know, like I kind of like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Cause I don't need to hear about, I mean, their teachers are entertaining as we've gone through this teachers in high school. Mm-hmm. Great. Entertaining. I don't, that's not what this is about. I don't need to see that here. Well, I think that's why Roger Ebert liked it so much. I guess, um, Cameron Crowe gives Ebert or at least Siskel and Ebert the credit for keeping that movie in the box office really? because he gave it such a high rating and then he put it on his list of like greatest my most favorite movies because he thought it was so great and I think it's a very typical setup of you know really high achieving girl mm. and not so much high achieving guy who's getting in the way of or getting in between the girl and her parents. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, she's got a coming of age thing going on and her parents don't like this loser guy, but it turns that kind of on its head when the dad, you know, the bottom falls out of any credibility he has. And it's like, Oh fuck. Like, (laughs) you know, it's almost John Hughesian and it's like a damnation of parents. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, Just, he, and he can't be trusted. And he isn't actually there for her in a really truthful way yeah. because in order to, you know, keep up this perfect image, he's done all this illegal shit. I, I still like, though, that the character, if they, they didn't go full, like you said, John Hughesian, and that mm-hmm. he was like, because it takes place in Seattle, so I kept, like, of course, thinking of 10 Things I Hate About You, where the dad yeah. is very doting. And I'm glad that it, nope, like, that's not... You know, they didn't go where it was like the dad was a bad person on top of this other mm-hmm. thing. You know, it was like, no, he's like a sweet, nice guy that him and his daughter have a partner's desk in their mm-hmm. living room. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a little interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I. <sighs> and I think it's interesting because you don't get that very often. You either get parents who are totally out of it and distracted, like Hocus Pocus. The parents are completely not paying any attention whatsoever. That's not a rom-com, but I see it a lot. (laughs) And, um, or you get like the super overbearing parents Mm -hmm. who don't leave you alone ever. And this is like a man who it's, you know, it's a complex relationship. It's a man who wants to provide for his daughter after his marriage breaks up. He feels like he needs to take on all this responsibility and push her to be as great as she can, which he succeeds in. But, in the process, totally F's a bunch of other people and, you know, becomes a very flawed character who, you know, the unreality of it is maybe how how ridiculous he is and the horrible things he does. But it it provides a realism to 
that relationship and a difference, you know, it differentiates that movie from a lot of mm-hmm. regular old teen movies. I'm yeah. kind of racking my brain trying to think of movies where parents are involved, but they're not overly doting and nice. I mean, like Mean Girls jumps to That's mind. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah where the, her they do a good are, job of being They're there and around. they're around and supportive, mm-hmm. but not overly. And then when she has that big party and they come home, they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. It's like they kind of bring her back to reality. Yeah. That's yeah. funny that we were both thinking this. Yeah. <laughs> the movie went off the rails so quickly where it went from like a love story to now the dad's in jail. Yeah. That by the end of the movie when they're on the plane, I expected the ending to be the plane crashing. Because oh. it just shifted so quickly. I was ready for anything at that point. Hmm. Also, being consoled by a high school graduate while you're in jail. When John yeah, Cusack know, comes in so there, great. fuck <laughs> that kid. You, you are at the lowest point in your life, and you are somehow getting lower. He's like, well, she likes me. I That would be, I, I would not take that <laughs> too terribly well. So those are my notes for the movie. Do you want to jump into, does this hit the our tropes? The tropes? Yeah. Well, we don't know what the meet cute really is because they've gone to high school together but he just kind of it's like an in medias rest kind of thing oh what in the middle it starts in the middle the oh, okay. story yeah but he calls her and she like doesn't really know who he is i don't i would almost say the the phone mm-hmm. call is kind of a meet cute he sees her but yeah you know what i mean she doesn't really know who That's he is she true. just like goes with it it's true ballsy too mm-hmm. like yeah i don't really know who you are yeah why not sure because I think she's desperate to get out. Yeah. But I thought... people other than I, her dad. I did love that, though, that he calls, and then the when he calls the first time, the dad takes a message, message right? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like this as a... If I'm calling that the meet He's cute like is the her phone. answering service. Yeah, I like that. Uh, the conflict is that... <laughs> Dad's going to fucking well, jail. Well, first, it's that her dad... <laughs> doesn't want her to be with him. Mm-hmm. He thinks that he's holding her back, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, her, her dad's whole point is like, you're going to outgrow this guy. Why not break it off now mm. and, you know, not let it go on any farther. But then, yeah, her dad goes to jail. So it kind of switches, you know, which I think is what's interesting about the movie. It switches from we can't be together because my dad to... My dad and I can't be together. <laughs> yeah, to my dad's out of the picture now. What are we going to do? You know? There's a line in King of the Hill that I remember. It was uh, Khan, the, his neighbor um, from Laos. Mm-hmm. Was t- uh, So his daughter was dating Bobby Hill. And it applies to this. It, they bro- he, they like broke up or whatever. And the mom was saying something to Khan. Like, why don't you care? And went, better that she cry now for 15 minutes than cry, cry 15 years from now realizing she made the wrong decision. Mm. I was like, oof. Yeah. That applies to what, what he tries to say to says, her. Yeah. yeah. So we have we have a couple we have a couple conflicts in this movie. We haven't talked about the music or the soundtrack oh, yet. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Oh, before you we started, I yeah. Before we started, I played a song for you, and you went, well, "What's that?" And I went, "Just you know, listen to it." What I played for you was a song, "Fishbones: Question of Love." Oh yeah. And according to Wikipedia. That was the original the song, song during yeah. the boombox scene. Mm-hmm. And that's why when we were listening, we went, oh my, that would have changed this entirely. Because it's like a ska song. Huh. And he's just holding a boombox with a ska <laughs> song over his head. I think that would have taken that moment. It, it, I mean, it's iconic, him playing mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes over his head. But 
with a ska song, no one would remember that scene. Yeah. But with within, I I assume that that was the ending of the movie. That scene. It's called "Turn the Other Way" by Fishbone. I th- always assumed that that would be like the ending scene. There was still thirty minutes or so left in this movie know, when that yeah. boombox scene hit, and that's mm-hmm. the scene everybody knows from this movie. That floored me. Yeah. But you're talking about other songs in the soundtrack, like. Nancy Wilson's on here, Living Colors on here, Red Hot Chili mm-hmm. Peppers, Cheap Trick, Depeche Mode. Yeah. This is a great soundtrack. Apparently, Ernie Sky dated Anthony Kiedis before this came out. That's that, funny. with a name like Ione, you yeah. obviously could date Anthony Kiedis. Yeah. <sighs> Brian was shocked watching it that that, that wasn't a bigger scene. Him holding the boombox. He thought that was like kind of like, and then she comes out and then they kiss. She doesn't come out. She doesn't come out at all. Uh -uh. Yeah. Can you imagine making that type of grand (laughs) gesture to a, to somebody and they just don't come out? Your heart is bleeding on their, on their driveway. I guess the band, the Smithereens wrote a song specifically for that boombox scene called a girl like you like Cameron Crowe like asked them to write a song and then he ended up not using it because the Peter Gabriel song came out and he was like, Ooh, this looks good. That song was perfect. And so he ended up, it ended up being used like in backdraft and Mm. another movie and stuff. So it, it was a very successful song. It was like one of the biggest songs for the Smithereens, Mm. but Peter Gabriel. I mean, you cannot pick a better song (laughs) for that scene. I've seen things on YouTube where people put different audio over it as like a funny, like it cuts to thing. Mm -hmm. And it really, it shows you how every year at the Oscars, sound influences the movie so much. (laughs) And so now we're here to honor the sound editor. Exactly. But Um, that's a perfect example of it. It's like that song has to hit the post. And that song, In Your Eyes... (laughs) In your eyes. I am complete. <laughs> Fuck me, man. That's beautiful. Oh. That was a good one. So great soundtrack, and it's integrated in the movie. And the 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 band Say Anything yes. came from the movie Say Anything because it was one of the lead singer's favorite movies. Uh-huh. So that's where he got it. And just for a personal connection, they have a song called A Walk Through Hell. Mm-hmm. And when Brian and I were dating, he used to sing that song so much that it has become like a family anthem. And now <gasps> Emma knows it too. Oh. And he'll just like, all of a sudden he'll be like, and if I could swim, I'd swim up to you in the ocean, swim up to where you were floating in the dark. And he sings it with that like super 90s, you know, ska band accent. And now Emma knows it too. And she's like, and I'd hold you like the model and you are. And it's such a like funny, like of all of like the nineties, like emo ska shit, like that's the band I know the best. Yeah. And they're the ones that are influenced by this movie. Huh. They have a really good song that I've played for you and Brian. And I highly suggest listening to either the song you just said, mm-hmm. or they have another song I love called Alive with the Glory of Love. That yeah. is the most about, the about, the, about love during the Holocaust, <laughs> but you don't to listen. They're to. probably my favorite, um, like of that genre. Kind of emo-y, pop punky yeah. band. 
They're good. They're really good. Again, you make it through the first verse and you're kind of like, this what is a little dark. Heck? And then it gets to the second verse and they start talking about collecting gold fillings. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. And it still is beautiful. Yeah, it's still a great song. Oh. Oh. All right. So say anything, not only at a fantastic soundtrack, but help to spawn a band a great with band. great music as yeah. well. All right. Yeah. What else do we have? We don't have we don't have a precocious child. His nephew's yeah, well, in it, yeah, but he doesn't really do bit. anything. But we do have a lot of women who keep him in line. Oh, yeah. His couple friends. The yeah. girl with the guitar. We've barely Lily talked about. Taylor. Oh, my God. And the guy comes to her. Oh, and, like, Joe. Wants to get she's back written together. 62 songs about you, man. And he, he wants to get back with her. And he's she's like, He's just like, like no. obsessed with her. But then, but then he like turned. He's, she's like, no. We're, yeah. we're done. I was, like, I was so proud of I her. I was too. I oh, that was such a good little B plot going fake, on in the back. Yeah, because she's like totally... You know, obsessed with him. Oh my god, that's our B plot in the movie. We always mm-hmm. talk about the best ones that's have like a true. romantic B plot, yeah. and that was he like came to watch it play, yeah. like in the room. No, the- no, never, no, never gonna. Don't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, she was great. Yeah. Oh, and then there's the whole thing with those friends when they found out he was uh, gonna go out with the her, and how and they were talking boys? about it. No, no, the girl, the girls. When oh they found yeah, out that they were gonna. That they were going out or whatever. They were mm-hmm. just the way they were talking that's about it. Was them. So yeah, wonderful. that's the yeah. same girls. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and it's just weird because, like, Pamela Adlon is the daughter of a, a famous, like, screenwriter. And um, Richard Brooks' daughter is is in the movie, too. And then Barbara Streisand and Ellie Gould's son is in the movie. There's so many, like, you know kids of big hollywood fame on it and people have gone on to do a lot of things this was an odd nexus yeah it's a lot and including the simpsons and they even have like um a reference to the simpsons in it because it was just it was on the tracy allman show back then oh yeah, yeah and that's obviously james l brooks like big you know thing hot hat hanger what is a what who gives our moment of truth in this do you think the funny thing is like lloyd has some truth bombs too yeah that he says to her dad and even to her yeah and he says to joan when joan cusack is all hung up on her ex who leaves her with their son mm. and he says you used to be fun yeah you know and you and you used to have like a sense of humor and now and he and he finally says i'm not him like I'm not I didn't leave you and I'm not him and you have to stop punishing me basically because his sister is still so pissed at her ex. So he has like a real center center of you know truth yeah in him already which maybe gives me a little bit more hope for what he's going to do yeah. with himself. But then I think Lily Taylor is probably the the one. Mm. And then she kind of solidifies her position as a good advice giver when she's able to say no to Joe and and stand up for herself mm. too. So we do get that's that is this is one of the first ones in which like the protagonist is the one kind of handing out yeah. the advice that he is like wise beyond his years to yeah. some extent. Because I don't, he definitely doesn't act like a high schooler in a lot of these elements. Yeah, I mean, but it, but it's he's still way beyond it in a lot it, of ways. But it's not like it's badly written. It's not like it's inaccurate. Mm-mm. It's Mm-mm. just that is a the character. It's a well written. Like I said, he's kind of an old soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it it doesn't feel though like 
misinformed or untrue to what an 18 year old could be it's just a very specific 18 year old i guess well and then when he's hanging out with his nephew and he's like hey my brother hey my brother it comes off now as maybe a little like racist yeah i guess that was a reference to a common commercial that was on at that time so anyone who'd seen the movie then knew what they were referencing because it was a movie because it was a commercial that was on all the time and people quoted all the time. So it's kind of like saying like, what's up? <laughs> like, can we bring that back? Yeah. Can we? I've been watching to. a lot of the office lately. So Ugh. it's really, it's like, a, I have to inform Emma about a lot of things that I forgot, including like, you know, what is Viagra and why did they call it Viagra Falls instead of Niagara Falls? <laughs> And what does kitschy mean? And oh, it's like an ever increasing. <laughs> what is this, mom? What is yeah. this, mom? Mom, what yeah. is that? Like maybe you're a little young for the office. I don't know. But <laughs> what is a virgin? Uh, someone who doesn't know anything about sex. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> then she might be like, "Well, I'm not a virgin." Like, no, no, you are. You are. Yes. Just, uh, don't tell people that. Don't tell people that. Please keep that quiet. And I know Ryan's in the other room, like rolling his eyes. What is she gonna <laughs> say? Seriously, texting me the answer. What is she gonna say? Because Brian's whole thing is to be like, "Nothing. Don't worry yeah. about it." Oh, I've met your husband. Yeah. But I always feel like I need to provide at least some sort of answer. Lest they become more interested and seek it on their own. Yeah, or just totally get it wrong. Like it went around school that giving someone the middle finger meant, fuck you, God. Huh. Yeah, no, I've been to a Catholic school. That sounds like something that would circulate. (laughs) We were like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) We got to like dial that back a little bit. (laughs) not quite what that means. So I, mean, I figure it's better to come from me. Yeah. Even partial information than than to just be entirely like, no. wrong information. Yeah. That I makes sense. Know. No, I think you're right. All right, what else do what else do we have on I here? I don't think we have any cameos. No. Actually, Cameron Crowe makes a cameo. Shut up, outside really? the movie theater. Oh no, he kidding. And his wife. Yeah. I think that does count as a cameo. Yeah. Uh, runtime, it's right in our sweet spot, hour and 40 minutes. You know, he's married to Nancy Wilson. You said that earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. Anyway, and did you know that China Phillips from Wilson Phillips is the daughter of the the Phillips from uh, the Mamas and the Papas? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a fucking dynasty. Huh. Anyway, uh, they're they're high school students. They don't have jobs. Mm. Um... They're in Seattle, but most of this was filmed in Los Angeles. And I think sometimes you can tell. Yeah. But it's definitely West Coast. Oh, yeah, for sure. This would not fly in like, it wouldn't feel like the same movie if it was set in Ohio or, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. Is there a lot of levity? I don't know if there's a lot of levity. Oh, I think there is. Most certainly. There's a lot of humor. I think when he's like playing around like with the his. the party. The party when stuff. he's playing around with his nephew. When they're just like yeah. driving around the drunk guy home from the party in the car. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of rom-coms have a, you know, prison visitation scene. <laughs> and, and are able to pull it off too. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, granted, I wouldn't want to, like I said, a high schooler to be telling me anything in prison. But mm-hmm. it does come across as like <laughs> sweet and kind. Mm. Yeah, um, the subgenre I think is still a high school yes. movie. Yep, for Agreed. sure. Uh, real world advice. I mean, I think that goes kind of along with the back to reality speech or like the keeping you honest speech. Mm. 
Lily Taylor does a lot of pumping his tires too. Yeah. Like she says, you're an inspiration. You should be on the 700 club. <laughs> Some great lines. When he's in prison, uh, her dad says, you're not a permanent part of her life. You're a distraction. And Lloyd says, I'm the distraction that's going with her to England, sir. Oh, man. <laughs> that's a fucking burn. Yeah. Oh, you could light a cigarette off of that burn. It's so hot. Yeah, that's really good. Ah, oh, fuck, I gotta find this one. I'm sorry. He does have a lot of good lines just to drop mm-hmm. in this. You're you're right. I, I lost my notes have gone by the wayside in my phone somehow. But Oh, Lily too. Taylor is played by um Lily Taylor plays the character Corey. And Corey says, I'm sorry, it's just that you're a really nice guy and we don't want to see you get hurt. And Lloyd says, I wanna get hurt. <laughs> I had no, I had that in my notes. That's like he's fully aware. No, but that one ca- oh, that one I caught me because no, you, you foolish young man. You don't want to get hurt. What you're actually saying is that you want to be in the position to be hurt. You want to you want to care about someone so much and be that vulnerable and have them love you. You don't actually want to be hurt. You want to be in the position where you could be hurt and to mm-hmm. trust that much. Yeah. I almost yelled that at the TV. Again, very emotional time of year for Justin. He wants to he wants to have those experiences though, you know. He wants to Oh man, I know you grow through heartbreak and you learn and all of that, but man, I would never wish it on anyone and I wouldn't wish it on myself. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I'm not like rooting like it, although your husband would say that I do get, he's heard me before say at the beginning of things like, oh yeah, this is great. It is going to end terribly. And he's like, <laughs> you bring that on yourself in a way when you go in with that mindset. I'm like, well, no, I think it's realistic. He's like, nah, I think you're kind of what I, um, <laughs> I can't find it here, of course. Um, but Lloyd basically tells Corey, like, you got it right. You go into it depressed, and then anything that happens will always exceed your expectations. <laughs> and I thought that was just such a clever, like, that's when he was at the height of, like, being sad that Diane had broken up with him. And she's like, that's no way to live. I guess that's kind of like the back to reality. Like, she talks him out of that. And uh-huh. she's like, I don't want to be like this. And I think that kind of gives her the power to say no to Joe. Fucking Joe. God, he could have been played by Breckenmeyer. That was such a like doofus guy who's just like making out with a hot girl and trying to get attention anywhere he can. <laughs> so, so is that our is that our our list mostly? Yeah. Okay. Alien comes down. People who show me your romantic com. Rom, rom. Romantic com. Okay. Alien comes show down. Show me your romantic com. <laughs> Alien comes down, beep boop, show me your romantic com. <laughs> are you showing an alien this movie? All your coms are belong to, to us. Are you showing him this movie? One to ten. Uh, How likely are you showing alien this movie? Is a genre defining? It is genre defining. It is. But it's also complicated. I don't know. It's funny because that part about her dad, I think, makes the movie very interesting in a way that it wouldn't necessarily be. If it was just a high school, the high school story. But that kind of also takes, takes it away. out of the rom-com genre. A little bit. Ugh. I'd probably give it like six and a half. Oh, we are way off in this. Seven. I'm giving it a nine. And the only mm. reason it's not a 10 is because that story does kind of 
take away a lot but it does it adds in its own way but i get what you're saying when you or i i agree yeah. with you and that it might take away too much but i it's but it is about their relationship yeah i is. guess maybe i'll move it up and it truly is genre defining when people talk about a romantic comedy yeah. say anything is like one of the first and deservedly like so 80s from and i think very deservedly so i mean there's iconic moments in mm-hmm. it it hits nearly all of our check boxes yeah i mean at the time ioni sky was very big mm. but now that's like her movie. Yeah. Like she's she's known for that pretty much. That's her career defining movie. Yeah. And I can't think I can't think of a single other movie that she's in to be perfectly honest. She's in Community really randomly, the TV show. As who? I'm wrong. You no. know who it is that was in Community? Huh. Um Sophie B Hawkins. Who's also, she's saying, damn, I wish I was your lover. Oh, the fake band. Yeah. Yeah, that sounded they were doing like a real the Sadie one. Hawkins dance, and then they got it confused so, yeah, with Sophie B. B. Hawkins. Hawkins. And then she came on, and somewhere in my brain, I thought, those two look alike. That's delightful. Oh. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> so um, young John Cusack is like the cutest. I love him the cutest he's so cute look at his little face he is so oh, young in this. and do you know what just the tag, love him do you know what the tagline on this on the poster was no stay anything say anything stay anything stay <laughs> stay cool <laughs> say anything stay cool so you did know the tagline <laughs> say anything a Lloyd meets girl story. Oh, Shut up. it's a How pun. How much do you love that? That's fun. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, oh. And the poster's him holding the boombox over his head. The thing is, though, that puts it in more of a like Lloyd growing up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Lloyd grows up. Lloyd's Lloyd knows who he is. Yeah. It's like this is the first time we've had a dude who really does know who he is, yeah. and is true to himself the whole movie. Yeah, you're right. He doesn't even falter. when all this crap happens, he doesn't change who he is, yeah. and he gets stuff thrown at him. And those guys at the gas and sip or whatever, and Jeremy Piven, and he's like, "That was a mistake." Like he knows. Yeah, yeah, you know. But he stays on Which, like his you said, course. We don't see. We have yeah. not seen super often in this. So Lloyd he really go, is yeah. a unique male character mm-hmm. for a romantic comedy yeah and i like it i found it refreshing sarah. me too he has a truth to himself sarah if uh we've gotten a couple emails actually of people suggesting movies so if someone wanted to like shoot us yeah, an email we, i should say i haven't um checked the email in a while no i haven't responded to this person because it was through the website mm-hmm. but nicole loftus um said she wants romeo and juliet titanic ever after which are all big 90s movies um which you know at least two out of the three i know extremely well and have watched multiple times i'm not sure that they're comedies i don't know if they're rom-coms i don't know ever after i just know that's drew barrymore yeah i've seen it once maybe twice but you could maybe make, you I know Romeo and Juliet really fucking well. I saw it in the theater oh, really? two or three times. Oh, is that the one with um, Leo? Um, yeah, and uh, Claire Danes. Yeah, I like this that I can just clap, <laughs> kind of clap, and you. It's can not because you're doing sense. that. No, it's I, just, I already like, know no, no, the movie. <laughs> no, no, I'm summoning them. Uh, <laughs> no, I've not seen that one, but I I can picture in my head him with like the armor on. 
in the one scene. Yeah. Like the, and Paul Rudd being his infinite. Paul Rudd's in that? He plays Paris. He plays the guy who's courting Juliet. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's dressed like an astronaut in that costume ball that yeah. they're in. Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious if that's a, a romantic comedy. I, Titanic, I wouldn't call a rom-com. No. Really. I mean, there is comedy in it's it. It's a historical saga. It is. It is a good movie. I still enjoy it when it comes on TV. I still pause. I may have to talk you into trying to do that one one day. Oh, my God. I had a friend in college who would, you know, party all night and then be like, let's go back and get pizza and watch Titanic. Yes. Like, at one in the morning? Yeah, that's a person that knows what they're about, <laughs> no. Sarah. That's a person. And then he would know. always fall asleep and I'd be like, peace. <laughs> I'm out. I love the bravado of that. Like he's not just gonna put on a movie; he's putting on a two VHS movie. It had, well, we were, it was a DVD. By I that know, point. but a movie that is so long—that's like saying you uh, you want to go back and watch the right stuff. <laughs> Pick the longest movie in the but world. But if the right stuff ended with both, you know, <laughs> death and you know, like tons of people dying, including the protagonist, <laughs> like. Uh, I don't know about Ever After though. Or we could look in. We could look into that and see. Yeah. I don't know that much. Angelica Houston's in it too. I love her. You do love Angelica Houston. Maybe we'll do Ever After. Maybe we will. Or if you can think of another rom com that you really want to see, like okay. one that's more comedy ish, let us know. But yeah, if someone yeah. wanted to shoot us also an email with some suggestions because we like those. We'd go to romcomcomdotcom at gmail dot com. Nicole, you can also email us there. And if you wanted to check us out on like Instagram or Facebook, you would just look up romcomcom dotcom on Instagram and romcomcom.com on Facebook. Cool beans. And we have music from uh, the, Love by This Is My Suitcase, suitcase. off the album The, the Keys, Keys to, to Cat, Cat Heaven. Heaven. We did it. You got there. <laughs> <laughs> I know all the words. I just don't know which order they go in. Yeah. So check them out if you enjoy it. Um, they've always got different members got cool stuff yeah on, and it's but. a great fucking song man yeah i sing it literally every time that i listen to the episode to make sure i haven't done anything stupid and i always sing along to it it really is joe joe writes some joe has written some really catchy tunes over the years but so. not even the writing it's the you know yeah and just all the fun stuff he does they're a fun band i mean yeah. it was like i think someone a friend once described them as like carnival pop punk and Ooh, I kind of yeah. like got that and I I can see that. Yeah. But either way, check this movie out. I enjoyed it and Sarah, I, I had fun. Me this too. This was fun. Yes, good to be back. Good to be back.